Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 12, and we're going to be beginning in verse 17. If you'll remember with me, we are in the southern tribe. Uh, Joash is still king, and Joash, in the 23rd year of his, uh, well, 23rd year of his reign, uh, is realized that the temple was not being rebuilt that he had given orders on, and so he began to take care of it. He's rebuilding the temple, uh, and when he begins to rebuild the temple, as you would have seen in the last lesson, what happens? Our correlation, our analogy is, and I'm going to move rather quickly here, is that we are the temple of God. And that as we're being washed on the inside, it is rebuilt on the outside. And when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit, not just say, I believe in Jesus, not just say, oh, I believe in the death, burial, resurrection, and then nothing go on. When you begin to draw near, receive instruction, receive knowledge, have your life corrected, begin to allow the Spirit to lead you, and you have the evidence that you are a child of God, and that the temple of God is being rebuilt. In fact, Peter gives it even more understanding that you and I together are living stones being chipped away at and fitted together to make a holy house which is pretty amazing that God would take living people and, and we would become stones and Christ is the cornerstone which we look at to get instruction and knowledge from so that we can be corrected, uh, which just so happened to be our memory verse. So I'm still in that channel uh, at the same time, Proverbs 12.1. But here he is, uh, pretty serious about it. We've been given the testimony from the Word of God, from uh, chapter 12 here, and from uh, 2 Chronicles 24, which also uh, chronicled the, the southern tribe's uh, uh, kings, uh, that as long as Jehoiada was alive, that Joash did a good job as king. Now, Jehoiada means God knows. He was the high priest. And our high priest is Jesus the Christ, according to the order of Melchizedek, and he's a priest forever. And so as long as he's alive on our throne, and God knows, Jehoiada means Jehovah knows or Jehovah known, God knows when he's alive, when we're receiving the word of God, when we're receiving the instruction, when we're receiving that knowledge, the temple is going to be rebuilt. God's tearing down the walls. He's removing the world. He's taking care of all those fleshly desires and lust and things that our eyes chase after. And he's putting his desires in us. He's putting his ways in us. He's making us into that new creation he promised as his temple. But what's going to happen then? The enemy's going to attack. And as Joash begins to rebuild, and he's doing with it faith, these men are dealing faithfully, uh, we see in, in, in uh, 1 through 16, this is going on now at the, at the uh, commands of the king Joash. What happens? The enemy comes to attack. Now I'm going to tell you that just like in 2 Chronicles 24, Joash followed God all the years that Jehoiada was alive. But we know that when Jehoiada died, he stopped following him. He stopped. He didn't have wise counsel. He didn't have the instruction of the word of God. 
He didn't listen to the high priest, and he wanted to fight on his own. So here he is building a temple. He's going to experience spiritual warfare, and he's going to be destroyed. Why? Because he's not listening to the Word of God. He's not loving instruction. He's not loving knowledge. He's hating the correction of God, and he's turned to his own ways, and he ends in death. Now watch this, because we've been through this. Let's read. Remember, temple being repaired, enemy coming. God allows it. He tests and tries us through it. Hazel, verse 17 of 2 Kings 12. Hazel. Let's see what that means. Hazel means one who sees God. Now, I hate to compare it to, but the devil, he goes into heaven. He sees God. He talks with God. And God says, have you, consider, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Joash? He's been repairing the temple. Remember, he lived in the temple and you couldn't get to him. But now I'm going to let you get to him. And guess what? We're going to find that Joash's heart on the inside was not being changed. He was just following the boundaries of the high priest. He was living according to law, according to works, but not according to relationship. And many saints can do that. They can follow the boundaries. They can follow the laws, but they're not allowing the instruction and the correction and the knowledge of God to go in and wash and cleanse and regenerate and then beginning to obey the word that they know, the God that they're following, the one that they say they love. Hazael, king of Syria. Very important. Syria is still big in the news. Syria is still there. Damascus. Syria. There's a woe against them. Hazael, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath. Remember Gath? It's one of the Philistine cities. I think Israel actually owns it right now because of David. But Gath is one of the five cities that the Philistines uh, uh, made their chief cities. And, and actually Goliath was from Gath and took it. So here he comes. He takes this city. Then Hazel set his face to go up to Jerusalem. What's that important about? Well, the southern tribe of Judah has got Jerusalem. And that's where Joash is ruling from. And God is allowing the enemy to come right to his house and attack the king who's been repairing the temple. And God will allow. He'll never tempt you with evil, but he'll allow evil to come after you, but he's already prepared you to deal with it if you've been listening to instruction, if you've been receiving the knowledge, if you have been allowing correction to take place in your life, you will be prepared for the battle that's coming. If not, you'll deal with it the way the world does and sadly the way Joash does. Look at this. Because this means so much more. Listen to this. He didn't just defeat Gath and then go up to Jerusalem, which means teaching peace. <clears throat> he set his face towards, and it means that he looked toward and his countenance is toward it, and he's going to make war upon it. Watch this. And Joash, king of Judah, remember Joash is the king. Sorry. Given by the Lord is what Joash means. King of Judah, king of the southern tribes, king of the tribes that are still following 
God pretty closely, but they're trying to make peace and be at one with their brothers, the northern tribes, who are in complete apostasy, worshiping golden calves. Joash, king of Judah, took all the sacred. Listen, here comes the enemy to attack. Instead of crying out to God, what does he do? He takes all the sacred things that his fathers, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated and his own sacred things and all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and in the king's house and he sent them to Hazel king of Syria then he went away from Jerusalem wow so instead of crying out to God instead of asking God for wisdom instead of you know Jehoiada must be gone he doesn't get any advice he doesn't get any counsel he doesn't have a relationship where he knows he can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he goes to the arm of the flesh. He goes to the place of his wealth. And he gives everything that was dedicated to God. All the sacred things and then all the gold in the treasuries. Wasn't the gold in the treasuries supposed to be to continue repairing the temple? He gives all the sacred things. He gives them to this King Hazel of Syria and buys him so that he'll go away. He's fighting in the arm of the flesh, using worldly goods to convince the enemy to leave him alone instead of trusting in the work of God, instead of trusting in the Holy Spirit. He even gives everything in his own house. Now look what happens in 19. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles, book of the Acts, King James, of the kings of Judah? Then what happened, Greg? And his servants arose and formed a conspiracy and killed Joash in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Silah, for Josachar, the son of Shimeath, and Josabad, the son of Shomer, his servants struck him, so he died, and they buried him with the, his fathers in the city of David. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. He ceased listening to instruction, and he died. He rested in death. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And see, listen, I, listen, he could have cried out to God. We're going to see now in the next chapter, 13, 13.4 specifically, this apostate nation cried out to God and God delivered them. We're going to go 13 to go to back to the north, 14 to come back. And you keep doing this, going back and forth in this. But when we get to Chronicles, we're going to stay in the tribes of Judah. Let's look at more detail. Once again, I like doing this. It's over in 1 Chronicles 24. Uh, and now we've gotten all the way down. We, we You know, if you remember, we seeing that he followed Jehoiada or followed God until Jehoiada left so he had some law he had some instruction he even allowed Jehoiada to pick his own brides because his fathers before him were terrible at it they picked too many women but let's look at 23 and this gives us a little more detail of what happened in the southern kingdom as he was 
rebuilding the temple or quite possibly could have gotten lazy after Jehoiada died. The temple's been repaired and he's ignoring the temple. Should have been doing more temple maintenance. Verse 23, so it happened in the spring of the year. Now the spring of the year, remember, we're in 2 Chronicles 24, 23. In the spring of the year, if you'll remember, is when David got in a lot of trouble with Bathsheba. Instead of being out at war, he sent Joab and the other ones out to war, and he stayed home. Well, why is it the spring of the year? Because they didn't fight in the inclement weather. They fought in the spring of the year. They fought when men could come out and be brave, and this is when war would happen. So in the spring of the year, the army from Syria, here comes Haziel, we've seen that in 2 Kings. He came up against him, who? Joash, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem. He didn't set his, listen to me, because it seems like when we're in 2 Kings chapter 12, looking at this, that he just looked that way. He started moving in that direction, and then he said, oh, here he comes, I better go deal with him. But you're going to see here that he didn't just look at him, he came and killed, watch us. He came to Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed all the leaders of the people from among the people and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. He sent it back. He's already defeating. He is actually taking and killing and, and, and destroying because Joash is not ready for war because he's only been listening to a man and not allowing it to become his relationship with God, his heart for God. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men. Pay attention. But the Lord delivered a very great army into the hand because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. Are you with me here? Are you with me here? Joash actually had the larger army. Joash actually had God. Joash could have cried out to God, but since he did not and he ignored God, and we know that Jehoiada, uh, Jehovah known with the high priest had died and Joash wasn't listening to him, that God allowed a smaller army to defeat the nation of Judah. And so what did Joash do? He went to the arm of the flesh and he gave him all the money and the spoils and he paid him off the way kings always did. He did that. We don't see anywhere that he cried out to God for help. We don't see anywhere that he said, God, God, Hazel's coming after me. I restored your temple. I'm trying to do the right thing. All we see is him be destroyed and we see who did it. God did it. The Lord delivered a very great army into the hand of Hazel. Why? Because Joash forsook the Lord, the God of his fathers. And God executed judgment against him. If you cease listening to instruction, you will rest in the congregation of the dead. He was listening to Jehoiada. He stopped. He started to think of himself as knowing what he was doing. He quit humbling himself in the sight of the Lord. 
he began to lift himself up instead of lift up God. We could add all those things to this. And it was God who delivered him. We're going to see that, you know, again, like I said in 2 Kings 13, that a apostate northern tribes cried out to God, and God delivered them, and they were apostate. But they knew where to go for help, and they cried out to God. And this man, who had ceased listening to the high priest, the high priest is dead, he turned from God, and God delivered him over. Where are you looking to for help? And when they had withdrawn from him, he paid them off, remember that. And when they had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded. See, he's wounded. 2 Kings 12 doesn't tell us that. But we see more detail. When we dig deeper, we find out that, that the Syrian army came clear down, was killing all the leaders, wounded the king. His own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada. Oh, that's what it's about? Yeah, remember back up when they killed Zechariah? Back up in 20? The spirit came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, 2420. He speaks to them. They killed him. Verse 22. Jehoiada, or Joash didn't remember the kindness which Jehoiada, his father, had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, the Lord look on it and repay. Well, they had forsaken God. They quit listening to his word. They killed his son. Isn't that what the nation of Israel did? And so, again, God brought about this victory for the pagan nation of Syria against his own people because they turned against him. And he is avenging the blood of Zechariah. And he killed him on his bed. So his own servants, he's already wounded, he's laying on his own bed. He made his bed and he's lying in it. And God sends some servants and allows them to kill him. God is sovereign in this. Listen, you make your bed, you lie in it. Where are you getting your counsel from? Where are you getting your instruction from? Where do you get your knowledge from? Are you allowing God to correct you in your heart, in your mind, will, and emotions? Changing the direction of your life? These things happen to a person who believes truly in Jesus. I believe he's Lord and God raised him from the dead. If you truly believe that, then you need to know that your life is a wreck. It's a burning house. It's going to be burnt down. You need to listen to instruction. You need to turn to God and, and become known by God and God to know you. And you begin to listen to what the Spirit says to the church. And you follow it. Because it doesn't matter how big the army is. God can defeat with one or with a hundred. God can overthrow. He lifts up and he tears down. He died and was buried in the city of David. But notice this. It's the end of verse 25. But they did not bury him in the tomb of the kings. Dishonored him. Started off great, but he quit listening to instruction. Listen, you have to run the race to the end. 
You have to keep listening. You have to turn your ear to God and continue to seek the voice of God. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, Jehovah known, and they follow me. They're following instruction. They're not disdaining it. They're not rejecting it. They're not hating correction. They long to be corrected because they see their life needs correction and that they're still making bad decisions. And it was a bad decision to take everything that was dedicated to God and give it to Hazel just to win the victory and keep from... Because he still died. He still died. These are the ones who conspired against him. And then it gives the names. And there's a little bit of controversy between the names. Uh, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God had him killed because he turned from instruction. He allowed the servants to go kill him on his bed to, to uh, uh, execute judgment against him for the death of Zechariah. What does Zechariah mean, Greg? Oh, in the New Testament, it means God remembers. See, God remembers the blood of Abel crying from the ground. God remembers his oath. He keeps his word. He's faithful even when we're faithless. Verse 26, these are the ones who conspired against him. Zabad. I thought I had Zabad. I don't have it. Zabad, the sons of Shimeath, the Ammonites, and Jehozabad, the son of Shimrith, the Moabitess. Now concert. Now concerning his sons and the many oracles about him and the repairing of the house of God, indeed they are written in the annals of the book of the kings, then Amaziah his son reigned in his place. Now it's interesting that the Ammonites and the Moabites, both from Genesis 19, 36 to 38, are from the, they were never supposed to be in the temple of God because these are the incestuous children of Lot from the cave, they come from that. And they ended up, they're the servants that actually go in and kill Joash, who started off as a great king, but he quit listening to instruction. And when the high priest died, he died. Who are you listening to? Where are you getting your counsel? Where do you get your strength? I want to go and look at, again, southern tribe again God speaking against them it's in Isaiah chapter 30 Isaiah 30 God has already told them that they're going to go into captivity but they think that they can get away from it that they don't have to do it that they can go down to Egypt and get help now you got to remember that Egypt is a type of the world Pharaoh is a type of the devil leading the world. And the children of Israel have been told by God that he's going to bring them into captivity. And he, and he pronounces a woe against them. Now, wait a minute. Look back at Isaiah 1. 1. I just want you to see that we're talking to the southern tribes still. Northern tribes already went into captivity. 
uh, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. They've forsaken. See, the king forsook them, and now the whole nation has, and God is speaking to them. He's going to put them in to punishment. He's going to chastise them so that they'll turn back. They'll cry out to him. And sometimes, listen, chastisement is the way God speaks to us when we're rebellious. And we turn from him, and we're not listening to instruction. He'll take us to the woodshed. He'll spank our butt. Where are you getting your instruction from? Where are you getting your knowledge from? Where do you turn in times of help? Because Joash didn't pray. Joash didn't turn. He could have easily prayed and asked God for help. But he did not. And we tend to be a lot like these kings. Like this, see, starts with a king, but we see the whole nation. The whole nation. Hezekiah's counselors told him to, to turn to Egypt and get for help not to God listen you know when you turn just like Joash when you turn to the arm of the flesh when you turn to money when you turn to another nation when you turn to anything else but God you've turned away from God you've turned away from his counsel you've turned away from his instruction you've turned and stopped listening to him and the only place you can end up is dead if you don't repent of that. So he says this woe to them because they've made it up in their heart what they're going to do. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me. Now listen, we've got to understand this really seriously because... I believe the church as a whole, there's always a remnant, but much of the church is taking counsel from the world and not from God. We've turned from the word of God, and we have perilous times in this day. And we should still be looking to God and not to Egypt, not to the world. See, Egypt is pretending to be strong at this time, and really they're not even strong. They're acting like they're strong. They're acting like they have horses. They're acting like they have chariots, but they're getting ready to be destroyed too. And God's going to tell us that, and we'll go over there in a minute in 31. But it's the same thing with America right now. Much of our church really thinks that Democrats or Republicans can save us. Much of our church really thinks that man can save us. Throw some more money at it, as Hazel did. Let's give up everything that we've ever done. Let's tear down the statues. Let's get rid of all the dedicated stuff and everything that shows the American dream. Let's give it all away and we'll be saved. Let's build it back better. But listen to me. Listen to me. You turn to the, any of that and you've turned from God. You join any of that and you're turning from God. We must, as a church, hear the voice of God, look to the counsel of God, and set our face like flint toward what God has called us to do, the way the anointed one, Jesus the Christ, did for Jerusalem in teaching peace. He did it not just in word, but in action, and obeyed the Father even to the point of death on the cross. 
And you and I should find out what the will of the Lord is for our lives and then walk circumspectly obeying it and turn to him and hear his voice even when it rebels against the government. Even when it's no, no, no to Egypt, we want to obey the voice of God so that it ends well with our soul and not get caught up in any movement that would be found fighting against God as the nation of Israel has already done. They found themselves fighting against God and his Messiah and they missed him and they crucified him. Woe to the rebellious children. Are you a rebellious child? Or are you listening to the Spirit of God? Are you looking at the Word of God and the testimony of God and learning from those things that they did wrong? Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not from me. Where are you getting your counsel from? The wonderful counselor? The mighty God, El Gabor? And who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. This is what the devil always wants you to do, is add gasoline to your fire. Sin to sin. Make your own plans and leave the Spirit of God out. Listen to me. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. It's been said that if you would have taken the Holy Spirit out of the Acts church, where you're reading the book of Acts and you see the disciples following God, 95%, excuse me, 5% of what they were doing would have continued. But if you took the Holy Spirit out of today's church, 95% of what we're doing would continue as normal. Why? Because we're building the church without the Spirit. We're living our lives without the Spirit. We're throwing big bank accounts and stained glass windows and money at homelessness and money at the poor and money, money, money. And we're not giving them the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And the people are missing God. And we act like we're really doing the work of God. But it's the arm of the flesh. We must return to the Spirit of God leading the people of God in the Word of God, the instruction of God concerning the knowledge of God and the correction of God for the soul that has gone astray and is in sin. Listen, woe to them. They devised their own plans. Hey, let's go down to the Egypt who walk, this is how they're living, to go down to Egypt. Remember, Egypt is a type of the world to you and me. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, but they went back. Instead of going through the wilderness and coming to God's promised land and growing in God and learning from God and allowing God to rule and reign over them, they end up going back to the Egypt. They talked about it through the wilderness. The next generation comes across and they end up there in their hearts anyway, ignoring God and trusting in the world. And have not asked my advice. They didn't even pray. They haven't asked. So listen, he didn't say they prayed and I gave them advice and they're double-minded like James said and then they didn't take my advice. He says they didn't even ask. They didn't even ask my advice. And they strengthened themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. Listen, that's sin to sin. That's gasoline on your fire. The world is underneath. First John 5, 19. I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. The world is Egypt. Pharaoh is the devil. The whole world is underneath 
the devil and wickedness, and we go to find our strength in their wickedness. We're looking for the government's help, for the world's help, instead of God's help in our lives. And to trust in the shadow of Egypt. What about the shadow of God's wings? What about him covering us? What about him coming? And we see the testimony of the Old Testament of his faithfulness. Three, therefore the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame. And trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. For his princes were at Zone, and his ambassadors came to Hanes. Now these are just places in Egypt. They were all ashamed of a people who could not benefit them or be help or benefit but a shame and also a reproach. Listen, Egypt is so weak, much like the United States right now. I just said this. Yet we're looking to the United States for our help when we should be crying out to God. What would God say? What does the Spirit say to the church today? What is going on in the world? We have the same thing going on as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We have the same thing going on, and we need to turn to God. Look at chapter 31, a couple pages over in my Bible. Again, he repeats this. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses. Who trust in chariots because they are many. Now horses and chariots would show the power of a nation. But we just seen that Joash was defeated and he had the greater army. God allowed a smaller army. It's God's strength. It doesn't matter what you look at by sight. It's what we're doing by faith. Are we trusting in the God of Israel? Those governed by God. So they're looking around. God's telling them they're going to go into captivity. And they look around and they see Egypt and they go, they got a lot of horses. They got a lot of chariots. They got a strong army. Instead of listening to God's truth. And in horsemen, because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Once again, turning to the world is turning away from God. Turning to what looks like strength and power, what looks like help, and you have not asked God for wisdom and instruction and knowledge. Psalms 20 and 7 says, Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Remember that verse? The name. It means the character, the nature, the authority, the power, the person. Psalms 20 and 7 what a great verse to remember when times of trouble, who do you cry out to? Who do you call? Who do you run to? Where do you look for help? To God's word, to God's understanding, to God's way, to God's spirit to lead you? Or do you run to Egypt and the world and to man for help? Verse 2, yet. Uh-oh, he also is wise? And will bring disaster 
and will not call back his words. He sent his word to heal the land, the Bible teaches us. He's spoken. He will, he's not a man that he would relent, but will arise against the house of evildoers. Ooh, that's a house of evildoers that ignore God. And against the help of those who work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God. And their horses are flesh and not spirit. I think that should have been capitalized. When the Lord stretches out his hand, his righteous right arm, Jesus the Christ, both he who helps will fall, Egypt and the world, and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. Listen to me. Are you trusting in the government? Are you trusting in religion? Are you trusting in your bank account? Are you trusting in pharmacy? Are you trusting in the rich merchants of the earth who deceive many with their pharmacy, their sorcery, their lies, their deception, their wickedness? Revelation 18, 23b. Because they're all going to perish together. The only way to have life is look to him who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To hear his voice to trust his counsel, to listen to his instruction and knowledge. In fact, to love his instruction and knowledge and want correction. Because we're a people who go astray in our heart. We need correction. We need constant attention. We need to constantly have the care of the Holy Spirit leading us in the Word of God daily. Or we will go astray from the words of knowledge and rest in the assembly of the dead. We'll think we're in the assembly of God and we're in the assembly of dead. Hmm. So let's look, because God told him this would happen. Let's look at Deuteronomy 17, and we'll close this out. Deuteronomy chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 14. Some of my favorite texts in the Old Testament. Of course, Moses writing, Moses instructing, talking about when they come into the land. Because Moses was believing God and knew they were going into the land, even though he had been told he wasn't going. Because of his anger, because he struck the rock twice and that rock was Christ, him and Aaron did not get to go into the land. And Joshua, Yeshua, led them into the land across the Jordan. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, notice it's not something that you deserve, it's a gift, and possess it, take possession of your inheritance, and dwell in it, live there, walk in it, and say, I will. Notice the I. Because God didn't want him to set a king over him. But see, this is the beginning. What he's talking about is counsel against the first king, Saul. Counsel against wanting a king, wanting to be like the world, wanting to be like Egypt, wanting to trust in horses and chariots. When you come into that land that I'm giving you, and then you decide, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. Listen, do not look anxiously about. Look up. Look to God. Let him rule over you. Let his spirit lead you. You shall surely set a king over you whom, you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren, 
and you shall sit as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Listen, here it is, verse 16, where I was trying to get you to. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Listen, stop going to Egypt. Stop going to the world. Stop trusting in uncertain riches. Stop looking to the world's power and start looking to the Spirit. Many have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. The Spirit of God who would lead you in the Word of God and wash you and cleanse you and make you a child of God. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself. This is speaking of that king, husband of one wife, lest his heart turn away. What happened to Solomon? 300 wives, 700 concubines, built temples for all of them. His heart turned away from God, and God punished him. But he waited until he died because he was David's son. And he brought the punishment upon Rehoboam and allowed Jeroboam to separate the nations and plant the golden calves and continue in the apostasy. But it was really Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, tried to live apart from the instruction of God, and he walked away from God. We must, must listen to the Holy Spirit that leads us in the word of God, the truth of God, continues to instruct us in the knowledge of God and correct us as the people of God so that our mind, will, and emotions can continue to be evidence of that good and perfect will of God. Don't multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Where is your heart? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Monies. Isn't that what Joash, we see here, gave to Hazel to get him to walk away? That was the power he looked to. That was the strength he looked to. He gave him, he paid him off so they would not attack him. And he rested in the assembly of the dead. Oh, what else is there? 18, this is where I was trying to get to also. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. So the king was supposed to write down, and I like taking notes like that. I take notes and I write stuff down so that I can memorize it better. The book of the law, the Pentateuch, from the one before the priest. So the priest had the scrolls. The king, who was ruling his land, was supposed to write it down on a piece of paper in a book for himself that the Levites had. In verse 19, and it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. So he was supposed to be reading the word of God all the days of his life. Why? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God and to be careful to observe all the word of this law and of these statutes. Why? That his heart may not be lifted above his brethren 
that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So they were literally supposed to write down the first five books that was before the Levites that the priest had, write it down, and then read it every day for the rest of their life, the days that they ruled and reigned. Joash, he listened to the word of God, but no relationship with the word of God. I question whether he wrote it down, whether he read it every day, because as soon as the high priest died, Joash went astray. He ceased listening to instruction. He didn't have the word of God hidden in his heart that he might not sin against God. Psalms 119.10 How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Oh, I've got it bad. Let's go there. Psalms 119.9 Sorry about that. This is what the king was supposed to do. I have it marked actually. Oh, Psalms 119.9. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. There it is. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the ways of your testimony, testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word, which is what happens in apostasy. And this is what he says the king should do. Write them down. Read them all the days of your life. Observe carefully what the word says that his heart, Deuteronomy 17, 20, may not be lifted above his brethren. In other words, uh, have all things in common as in fellowship. Look out for your own, not only your own interest, but the interest of others as in Philippians uh, 2, 3. The ground is level at the cross that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that his days may be prolonged in his kingdom. Lord, we don't want to be like Joash. We don't want to begin repairing the temple, be attacked by the enemy, and turn away because we cease listening to your instruction. So we ask you, Lord, to help us learn not to go to Egypt for help. Not to trust in uncertain riches or in horses or chariots. Not to trust even in the lies of people who say they're stronger than they are. But we would trust only in you. We would have faith only in you and your word. We would listen to your spirit. Lord, give us a desire to have a daily walk with you where we get into the scriptures. We allow you to speak to us. We allow you to wash and cleanse us and change us from the inside out. Lord, that the evidence of our life would prove what you're doing on the inside because it would come to the outside in our walk, in our language, in our life, in the way we treat people, in what we talk about to people. 
as we witness to them and give testimony of your perfect will. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. The Lord bless you.